Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We are going to be digging in, not just this series, but this series is just sowing seed into the ground for the entire year that we are saying, you know what, Lord, in 2020, I want more of the Lord. Whatever I had in 2019 was awesome, but in 2020, I want more. I want more of Jesus in my life. I want more more presence. I want more miracles. I want more signs, more wonders, more encounters. Come on, we are believing God for more. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. If you have your Bible or if you have your app, you can open that up. And it says this, that the Spirit and the Bride say come. How many know that the Holy Spirit has already said come? He's already said come. In fact, if you have a desire for Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit put that desire in you. And we are the bride of Christ. And I I would suggest this to you this morning. If you do not have a desire for more of the Lord in your life, then it's probably because you don't have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. And I believe that the Lord puts that, the Spirit of God in us to say, you know what, I want more of God. I want more of His presence. I want more of His reality. I want more encounters with the Lord. So it says, the Spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. In other words, you don't have to pay money for it. You don't have to go to a priest to it. You don't have to be be uh, full of good works to go to it. You just have to be thirsty. You just have to be thirsty to say, you know what? I want more of the Lord. I want more of the Lord than, than, I, than I want the air that I breathe. And God wants to put that kind of desperation in, in, in our hearts. And, and, and I'm, I'm afraid that, that some of you today, if you'll just let me be your pastor for a minute, I'm, a, I'm afraid that some of you have got a little settled. You kind of settled down in your fervency for the Lord. You've kind of settled into your walk with the Lord. It's kind of become a routine. It's kind of become mundane. But I believe that God wants to bring you this year into a fervency, into a passion for Jesus that exceeds anything. Maybe you've been saved for six months. Maybe you've been saved for six decades. I don't know. I know for me, I came to the Lord in 1993, and it was a great year. And I experienced some incredible things. But 1993 is long gone. It's a long time ago when I was 18 years old. And you know what? I want the Lord to do more in 2020 than he's done over the past 25 years of serving him. I want more of the Lord in my life. And so I, I just, I'm, I'm just provoking you this morning. Have you stalled? Have you stalled in your walk? Are you, are you stagnant? Has your faith grown stale? I, I remember... Back when I first came to the Lord, I saw one of those church billboards. You know, sometimes they're just terrible, right? Especially when they try to be funny. They just never are. And I remember driving by it, and I remember it marked me, the words that were on that, that marquee at that church. It said this, when growth stops, decay starts. And I remember that marking my heart and saying, you know what, Lord, for the rest of my life, I'm committed to grow in my relationship with you. I'm, I'm committed to go after you, Lord, with everything. I'm committing, Lord, for the next 80 years to pursue Jesus. Come on. Do we have that kind of desire in our heart to go after the Lord? And I, and I feel like that, that some of you have been, you've been kind of like going with the Lord. You've been doing good, and maybe you've been growing a little bit, and that's awesome. How I many you know a little bit of growth is better than no growth? Come on. Or it's better than back it up, right? And so one of the things that I, that I feel like that, that has happened is some of us have, have like, we've said, Lord, I'm, I'm yielded. I want you. But you have like certain parts of your heart that you have like, you have 
kind of like that sign when you go into a restaurant that says no employees allowed. And I feel like that in, in this year that God wants for you to take the sign off of your heart that says, Lord, you can touch every other area, but you can't get in here. Right? And so God's saying, you know what? I want all of you. I want your complete heart. And just take down that sign that says employees only or owner only can come in. He's saying, you know what, Lord? You have access to every area of my life. Isaiah chapter 43 says this, forget the former things. Now, we're grateful for our history. Come on, you should have good history in God. Those are great moments. But he says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. The word dwell means this. It means to live there. And some of you have been living in the past. Maybe something difficult has happened. Maybe you had a rough year. Listen, Get free of that. Don't allow your past to be a chain to keep you in a place where you live, where all you can think about is how bad you were hurt. Come on, or the difficult scenario you went through. But you say, you know what? I'm not going to dwell on the past. That's what he says. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See that I am doing a new thing. I'm doing something brand new. How many know if we're going to enter into the new, we've got to leave the old behind? You can't have the old and the new. You can have the old or the new. But I'm choosing to go after the new. Come on, the new. And so, and it says this, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert. In other words, a place that shouldn't produce, I'm making it produce. A place that shouldn't have greenery, I'm putting greenery there. I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The places that are supposed to be dry and lifeless, God says, I'm going to bring life there. I'm doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? Do you want it? Are you going after it? Will you go there with me? This year in 2020, when I've been thinking about our theme this year and just what the Lord uh, wants to do, and this isn't just in my life, this is in your life. And I believe that the Lord wants to really do some incredible things. And when I started thinking about this, I, started, I was reminded of the story in 1 Kings chapter 7 about Elijah. Now, Elijah, if you know anything about him, he was a prophet. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of crazy things he did, a lot of, a lot of kind of uncool things he did. But he was going in, there was a, a drought in the land, and he was, he was going to this town called Zarephath. And when he goes there, there's a widow outside of the town, and she's picking up sticks. And he sees this widow, and he says, hey, would you make me some food? Give me some drink and make me some food. He said, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. Now, at this point, he doesn't know the widow. And she says, she says sir, she said, I'm about to go home and make a fire with these sticks I've collected. My son and I are going to eat, and then we're going to die. Other words, this will be the final meal that we'll make. So who do you think you are asking me for a meal? And he says, I'll tell you what, if you will go home and you will make me a meal, he says, I, God will make sure that you have a meal until this drought is over. And so that's what she does. She goes home, she makes a meal for Elijah, she gives him the meal, and then sure enough, until the drought ends, they have food. And so God provided for them because they put God first. Come on, they honored the word of the Lord. And it says this in 1 Kings chapter 7 that some time has passed. I mean, you know, it's good when God does something, but sometimes some time has passed, right? Now, God spoke something, and some time has passed. Some time later, the woman's son became sick, uh-oh, and he grew worse and worse, and finally he died. Now, what that's telling us is that is a violation against the Word of God that said he would live, right? It wasn't time, but he dies. God had promised this, and then the son dies. So sometime later, the son had died. Then she said to Elijah, oh, man of God, what have you done to me? Why did this happen? 
Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? But Elijah replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms and carried him up the stairs with the room he was staying. Now at this time, it's believed that Elijah had, this became kind of a, because of the miracles that had happened before, they, start, they brought Elijah in. He was living there. They had, a, they had an upper room in the house, kind of up in, up in the house that he would stay when he would go there. So this is a family he was familiar with, he did life with. And so he's there, and he takes this boy up to this room, up to this room where he had history. Come on, up into this upper room where he had prayed many times before for other miracles, and he takes the boy up to the upper room. And he laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me? So here's twice people are saying, why, Lord? Why has this child died? Why did you kill this boy? Basically is what they're saying. And he stretched. Everybody say stretched. Verse 21. And he stretched himself out over the child three times. Say three times. So he stretched himself over the child three times and cried out to the Lord. Oh, Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's prayer. And the life of the child returned and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. He said, look, your son is alive. Look, your son is alive. Then the woman told Elijah, I, now I know for sure that you're a man of God. And the Lord truly speaks through you. So here we have a child who's dead. Now we don't know why he was dead. Now there's a lot of speculation. The woman says, well, I've, I've sinned. And so you've came here, you've come here, and the Lord has killed my child. God did it. Now, the scriptures never tell us that God did it. The scriptures just says that the woman thinks God did it, and then Elijah thinks God did it. Lord, why did you bring me here? Why did you cause this tragedy? Why is this child dead? So the scriptures don't tell us that God did it. It just says that everybody perceived that God had killed this child or allowed this child to die. They were caught up in the why. Why did this happen? Yeah, and, and this is what I believe. I, I believe that there, there are some people that will just sit around and they're so geeked out on why something happened. I mean, you could read a thousand different articles that say a thousand different things on why certain things happen. And people get locked up in the why. Why did it happen? Why did 2019 happen like it did? Why did I suffer so much loss? Why didn't God come through? Why did so-and-so pollute my life with their negativity? Why why, why? But what I love about Elijah is that he stopped asking why and he started asking how. This is the situation. Why did the situation happen? How can the situation change? And I believe that God is bringing an awakening to his church where we stop asking God, why did this happen? And how can we do something to change the situation? Stop asking why a situation happened. And start asking how a situation changes. Because, beloved, that is the only way you're going to see change. And what we do so many times is we just whine about the why instead of doing anything about the how. So God is wanting to change our questions from whys to how. And I believe 2020 is going to be a year of more how. How is it going to be a year of more? 
I don't know what 2019 held for you. I don't know how much brokenness and loss and frustration and tension. But I know this. God wants to bring increase to your life. How? How does that happen? It happens by you having a greater capacity to receive the more. To receive the more. God has more in store in 2020 but if we're going to receive it, we've got to have a greater capacity. You know, this water bottle that I have over here, I thought I brought it with me. Oh, good catch. I feel pretty awesome now. All right, so this bottle could hold 16.9 ounces or something, 16.9 fluid ounces. That's pretty good on that too. 16.9. The only way you could put more than 16.9 ounces in this bottle is if that bottle can expand. If I can increase the capacity of that bottle, which probably isn't going to happen because that plastic's pretty thin. So you can get a new bottle or you can expand the bottle. And if God's going to do more in your life, then you've got to increase your capacity. You want more of the Lord? Then you've got to cre- increase your capacity to receive more of the Lord. Now, some of you have more of a capacity mm-hmm, than you're allowing him to fill right now. Some of you, God could do more in your life, but you've said no to it. I know I should, but I don't. Right? I know I should, but I don't. Like, how, how much have you been in the Word? Not as much as I should. Right? We do that all the time. So God has to create or, or expand our capacity. We've got to expand our capacity. How does that happen? Well, first of all, it happens through consecration. Everybody say consecration. Now, consecration means this, setting oneself apart. When we use the word holy, what we're talking about is something being consecrated, that we set that apart for God's purposes. And so in consecration, what we're saying is, you know what? I set myself apart for God's purposes. It's no longer about me. It's for God. So, how, so what am I doing? I am stretching myself because it's difficult to conse- consecrate yourself, isn't it? Isn't it hard to set yourself aside? Isn't it hard not to be selfish? But if you want more of the Lord, you've got to lay yourself down. See, the, the problem is this, is we are in love with comfort. We love our comfort, right? In, in fact, we, we love going to the movie theaters and, and all the things. You know, go to the movie theater. I remember when I was a kid, they didn't have, like, recliner. You go to the theater, you're like, mm, you know, it's like you don't even have to, like, pull a lever to get the seat. You know, it's like you can, like, take a nap through a movie, right? And there's some movies you probably could do that pretty easy. And you just, you hit that recline. I mean, we are, we are so driven towards comfort in our culture. But, beloved, can I tell you this today, that comfort is the mother of complacency. And some of you have just grown comfortable in the Lord. I don't ever, I don't ever, ever want to get comfortable in my walk with the Lord. I want to always have to depend on the comforter. Come on. If you're comfortable, you won't need the comforter, the Holy Spirit. But you're going to need the comforter to be, to be able to make it through the stretching and through the consecration that's happening. And this is what Elijah does. He stretches himself. He gets uncomfortable. I mean, he wasn't just stretching himself out on a, on a living boy or on a bed. He was stretching himself on a dead body. How uncomfortable is that? How weird is that? How bizarre? That messes with my theology. Laying on a dead body, stretching yourself. That's weird. 
That's uncomfortable. But beloved, when you want more of the Lord, when you want a miracle, you'll get uncomfortable for it. It doesn't matter. Your comfort levels are out the window because you're, you're not saying why I'm comfortable doing this. You're saying how can I see this miracle happen? Are you willing to stretch yourself? And Jesus gives us this parable in Luke chapter 5, verse 36. It says that he gives them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch won't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine, here we go, no one puts new wine into old wineskin. For the new wine would burst the wineskin, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. So everything's ruined. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. Are you content with the old wine? It's just fine. How's your relationship with the Lord? It's fine. How's your relationship with the Lord? It's good. It's all right. It could be better. Are you satisfied with that? Because if you are, if you just keep, keep drinking from that old still wine, You'll probably, you're, you're going to go to heaven. Come on, you're going to go to heaven, maybe. You're going to go to heaven by the grace of God. But are you just satisfied with what God did six months, six years, six decades ago? Are you satisfied? Or do you want more? Do you want the new wine? Do you want the, the new thing? Listen, new things require new ways. And this is what Jesus is emphasizing when he's talking about the wineskin. Because what, what they would do in that day is when wine was pressed, when they would put the grapes through a, a press and they would crush the grapes. Come on, you, there's a crushing that happens. And when the grapes are crushed and the, wine, the, the grape juice at that time comes out, they, they would put that, wine, that grape juice, at the time it was grape juice, they would put it in what's called a wineskin. And a wineskin, what it was, it was a fresh skin of like a goat. Come on, they're... Their body. And then they would get that skin and clean it up. And they would sew it up and they would put that wine in there. And as that, as that wine began to ferment, it was actually grape juice. I keep saying wine. It wasn't wine yet. But once it got inside that goat skin, it began to expand. It began to grow. And as that, that happened, that because that skin was so fresh, it would expand and grow with it. And some of the gases and all those things through the fermentation process, they would leak through that skin. The problem is that you had people out there, they didn't want to go out and purchase a new wineskin. It was a hassle to get a new wineskin. So they would try to put new wine into an old wineskin. And when they put it in there, and because it was hard and brittle, because it hadn't been used, that wine would go in there. And when it began to expand, it would crack open the skin and they would lose the wine. And so what the Lord is saying to us is that we must remain fresh and we must remain flexible. So when the wine comes in, our capacity can increase. Come on, well, that happens by setting yourself apart and saying, you know what, Lord, I want the new wine skin. And he's saying, I'm going to grow in you. I'm going to expand in you. But you got to roll with it. you got to be fresh. Come on, you got to be flexible. I want to grow you. Are you being stretched? Are you allowing the Lord to stretch you? Listen, beloved, if I'm your pastor, over the next month, I'm going to stretch you. That's my job as your pastor is to lead you. 
And some of you, you, you come here, maybe I'm not your pastor. Joel Osteen ain't your pastor. Come on, Stephen Furtick ain't your pastor. Just because you listen to their message, that don't make them your pastor. Your pastor is somebody that can lead you. And some of you don't have a pastor because you won't let anybody lead you. I have a pastor that leads me, and sometimes it's uncomfortable. Uh, so i got to hear this too sometimes. But over the next several weeks, I'm going to be stretching you. But I'm not, a, I'm not stretching you for me. I'm stretching you for you. Because I think God wants to do more in your life this year. And so I'm going to stretch you. I'm going to ask you to, 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 to stretch yourself, to allow yourself to expand a little bit so God can do more in your life because he wants to. I want you to have the capacity to carry the move of God. The thing that he's doing here at Overflow Church, it doesn't happen on the stage. Come on, it happens in the people. It happens in all of us. God is moving. Lord, I'm here. I'm flexible. I'm willing to go through it. I'm willing to be stretched. So will you let me stretch you a little bit? Will you let me be your pastor? Will you let me stretch you a little bit? Because this is the deal. More of him will cost more of you. More of him will cost more of you. John the Baptist said it this way. He said, he, he must increase and I must decrease. He must become greater. I must become less. I must become less. How many know that the better you is the lesser you? It's not the greater you. It's not the more influential you. It's not the richer you. Come on. The greater you is the lesser you. And we live in a culture that is obsessed with self. The whole comfort thing is all about self. Cater to me. I don't have to go to a grocery store to get groceries. I can have them delivered. I mean, it was so convenient. It's so comfortable. What happens is we get complacent. Maybe your biggest struggle is that it's all about you. Maybe your biggest struggle is that you are so focused on yourself. The most, did you know the most emotionally people, the, the health, most healthy emotional people I've ever met in my life are people that are not focused on themselves? They don't have to look at their list every year and go, I'm going to be a better me in 2020. No, they, they're, they're, you know why? Because that's not their focus. Their focus is I want to make everybody around me better. I want Jesus to be greater in my life. Those are the most healthy people. Beloved, I can tell you that I, I, I dealt with anxiety and depression for about nine months over 25 years. And the reason is... Is because I was focused on myself during that time. And so we have a culture that preaches uh, self, self-care and self-improvement and self-confidence and all these kind of things. Listen, what I'm not saying is that you don't take care of yourself. You need to take care of yourself. But you don't do it to put yourself first. You do it so that you're better for those around you. And some of you, you're so depressed. You deal with so much anxiety and so much frustration in life because you want everybody else. To cater to you. And so you're frustrated when they don't. And you feel empty and unhappy when they don't. Because you've lost sight of your purpose. It's not about you. It's not about you. This thing called Christianity isn't the, the, the scheme that says, oh, my life is great and grand and fat and healthy and rich and all this kind of stuff. Listen, God has blessings for you, but they're not for you. They're for the world around you. So we have all this focus, self-care, self-discipline, self-confidence, self-improvement, all this, more than any other time in human history. Any other time that I can remember. And I'm not super old, but I'm, I'm a little bit older than most of you. But I, I've seen that, man, we are really obsessed with this thing called self. 
But you know what else we have that comes along with that? We've seen more depression, more anxiety, more suicide than any other time in human history. Yet there's more focus on self. You would think if that worked, there would be less of those things. But it doesn't work. Maybe God's way is better. Maybe when Jesus said to deny yourself, you want to follow Jesus? It starts with denying yourself. Not self-sustainment, not independence, but codependence on the Lord. You say, you know what, Lord, I'm done. I deny myself and I pick up my cross and I follow you. You want more of the Lord, there's got to be less of you. There's got to be less of you. So maybe... The word of God is true. Maybe the solution is not more self-focus, but more focus on Jesus. You, you do a word search in your Bible on the word self, and you're going to see things like self-denial. And you're going to see things like self-discipline. That's what we're called to when it regards ourselves. So most of the self thing that you need to focus on, I'm your pastor, I love you, is your discipline. Self-discipline. That's a fruit of the Spirit. By the way, self-care isn't a fruit of the Spirit. I think if you're healthy, you'll produce self-discipline and you'll have the fruit of the Lord. And you won't have to be so consumed with yourself and making sure it happens. And please balance that. You know my heart. I'm not saying it because you take care of yourself that there's something wrong with you. But, but understanding that you are not the priority. You are not the priority. The Lord is the priority. He's central in our lives. So, stretch yourself. It's uncomfortable. Consecrate yourself. I give up myself for more of the Lord. Secondly is this, concentration. So we have consecration, setting oneself apart, and then concentration, which basically just means an intense focus. An intense focus. So I love that Elijah stretches himself out on the boy three times. Now if that was me, and you, we'd probably go stretch ourselves out on the boy one time, and then when he didn't get resurrected, we'd go, it just wasn't the will of God. That's exactly what we do. I guess it just wasn't God's will because it didn't happen. The Lord told me to go stretch myself out on the boy, go resurrect the boy. Well, I did it and it didn't happen, so I guess it just wasn't the will of God. Listen, if God promised it and God put it on your heart, then go after it. Go after it. It doesn't matter if it's... I, be, I believe this. I believe if it did it 30 times, Elijah would have done it 30 times. I bet if it took 300 times, he would have done it 300 times because he knew the word of the Lord was that that boy would live and not die. Beloved, are you willing to stretch yourself not just once, but for as many times as it takes? Are you willing to be concentrated enough to say, I want the work of the Lord. I want to see a miracle so much. And I'm willing to concentrate and go after it that way. Luke chapter 11, verse 9. This has been a theme for us this past year. It's going to continue to be a theme because it's like we're, we're not there yet. And so this is what he says. He says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And he who knocks, the door will be opened. Most of the time, we stop at asking. Asked, didn't happen. 
I guess it just wasn't God's will. But we're not focused enough on the miracle to see. You know what? I won't just ask. If you study that in the Greek, the word ask means to keep on asking. I will keep on asking. Because those that ask, they get answered. And then it says this, those that seek, find. Are you willing to keep seeking? Well, I've searched. I've tried that. Are you willing to keep seeking? Are you willing to knock? I'm just knocking on that door again, Lord. Here I am. It's been 13 years, but I'm still knocking because you put it in my heart. Because I know that the word of God tells me that if I will knock, the door will be open. So sometimes it's just knocking again. Will you knock again? Are you focused enough to ask again, to keep on seeking, to keep on knocking until that door opens? And I love that Elijah was willing to pray a third time. Are you willing to pray a third time? Are you willing to pray, pray, pray a 300th time? I'm willing to pray it. I'm willing to pray it because I'm going after what God has put in my heart. I'm concentrating on the promises of God. I'm concentrating on what God said. And I love that we see that in Elijah. And the third is this, commitment. And commitment is the thing that keeps you to the place where you ask again. To where you'll seek again. To where you knock again. It's commitment. Commitment means that you'll make the change. You'll do something you haven't been doing. And then you'll stick to it. That's what commitment is. Not giving up when you got tired or when you tried that. I've tried that. I, I, would, I would encourage you to take the word try out of your vocabulary. Because to me that sounds like a doubtful word. I'll try. I'll give it my best. I'll make it happen. I'll make it happen. We will figure it out. There's no try. There's no try. Only do, right? So some of y'all love my Yoda impressions. All right. If it was baby Yoda, you would laugh and love it. And I was grown up old Yoda. All right. Are you willing to stick to it? This is the deal. With change, most change is incremental. Most real transformation doesn't happen in your life overnight. Most doesn't. For me it was. When I came to the Lord, it was like boom. It was like the light was off and the light is on now. But there were still a lot of things in my life that needed to change. And some of those things are still being changed. And I've been in this thing for a minute. Most change is incremental. Incremental changes are instrumental in transformation. It's the little changes that happen over time that bring forth transformation. That you make those changes and then you stick with them. Beloved, li listen. If you don't make some changes, nothing changes. You say, well, I want this to change in my life. I, I want to be better. Are you willing to make changes? Or you just want to say, well, that's not the way I am. Well, then you don't want change. Because God wants to transform the way that you are. No matter how awesome you are, he wants to change you. He wants to make you just like Jesus. You know, when we quote Romans chapter 8, we love Romans 8. It's great. In fact, if you said I could only have one chapter in the Bible, I'd say Romans 8 in a heartbeat. Love Romans 8, and it says, all things work together for good, that those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So what we do is we, we go, that means that God is going to make everything work out for me. 
That's what we think. But the, the next verse says this, those that are being conformed to the likeness of Christ. Other words this, God will use everything that happens in your life to make you look more like Jesus. His goal is for you to look like Jesus. That don't happen overnight. As we gaze at him, we are becoming like him. We are being transformed into the image of his son. This is what we're called to. This is what we're going after. So the new, listen, the new thing isn't a modification. It's a transformation. It's a total transformation. You don't add Jesus on. You continually become more like him. And he's perfect in every way. And you're not. But you're becoming more like him. You're becoming more brilliant like him. Your character's starting to reflect Jesus. But it don't happen overnight. It's a process. Transformation is a process. We had a... Years ago, we, we were at the dollar store, and we had had some caterpillars and stuff in our backyard. And uh, we bought this little, like, caterpillar incubator type thing. It was a little cage that you put a caterpillar in, and you could watch a caterpillar become a butterfly. We were stoked. So go home, you know, a little dollar store things. It was super cheap. You know how the plastic is on that stuff. And we, we put it in there, and he, he gets in there, and we just watch it day after day. And finally, he starts, he shoots out this web. We were like, Whoa! Caterpillars have webs. And so he shoots this web, and then he starts spinning himself in this web. If you've ever seen this, it's the craziest thing. And he's, like, violently shaking. And, like, all this stuff is wrapping around. He's freaking out. He's like, we're like, he's going to die. Or he's going to, like, turn into morph some, like, caterpillar man or, you know, butterfly man or something. He's just changing. Transformation is happening. But you could tell with this, with this creature that it was, that it was uncomfortable. You could tell that it was violent, that it was, that it was probably not really something that was very pleasurable at the time. But, but because he, he stuck with it eventually, eventually through all the violence and all the difficulty and all the struggle, because he was willing to stay in that cocoon for that time, eventually he became a butterfly. Eventually he transformed what didn't happen overnight. It took some time. It took some pain. It took some discomfort. And some of you have been in that cocoon and you've been trying to get out because it's uncomfortable beloved will you commit to the process and stick in it because I believe that God wants to make something brilliant and beautiful out of your life but you've got to go through it you've got to go through the change you've got to stick to it it's his process it's not your we say stick to the process it's not your process it's his process are you willing to go through it God whatever no matter how difficult it gets Jesus I'm in no matter how hard it is to serve you, Jesus, I'm in. I'm all in, Lord. Through trials, through tribulations, through hardship, through rejection, through tension, Lord, I'm willing to go through it all because I want to be more like Jesus. Are you willing to stay in there? So get in there and stay there. Get in there. Get into it. Stick to it. Stick to the process. I love Galatians chapter 6. By the way, let me just suggest this to you. You won't get God's will doing things your way. And you won't get God's blessing. I have people, oh, I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed. And you're not doing things God's way. That's not God's blessing. That might be your blessing. That may be the world's blessing. But if you want God's blessing, you've got to do things God's way. Are you willing to do it God's way? Because his blessing might look different than what you think it is. We had this, uh, we used to watch this show called um, 
Wonder Pets. Anybody ever watch that with their kids? Some of y'all watch that. Yeah, like, yeah, I used to watch that. They had this episode where there was an inchworm and a caterpillar, and they were friends. And they ate the same stuff, and they played the same little games. Well, as we know, the destiny of a caterpillar, his destiny has become beautiful. So he goes through the process and becomes a butterfly, and he shows back up to the inchworm, and the inchworm's there, and he's like, hello. They're singing their little song. I don't even know if I had to play it for it. And he goes, he goes uh, do you want to eat? Something, whatever they ate. Leaves? I don't eat leaves. I don't used to eat leaves, but I don't eat leaves anymore because I'm different. Listen, it is a compliment when somebody comes to you and say, you've changed. Go, praise God, I've changed. I love it when people tell me that. I don't want to be the same. If somebody tells me I'm the same old Josh Brown from 20 years ago, that is that is one of the most insulting things you can ever tell me because I am not the same. I am becoming more like Jesus, and sometimes that will tick people off. Sometimes that will offend other people because they know they need to look like Jesus. So, so be prepared for the onslaught. Be prepared for the rejection. Be prepared for the inchworms to want you to be a caterpillar when you're not a caterpillar anymore. So Galatians chapter 6, here we are. So let's not get tired. Get tired. You know, we've been, it's no secret, we've been believing God for a new building for our church. We've, like, been hustling, man, hard. The last, like, six months. December, man, we had this thing happen with Haiti, and, you know, it's going good, and God's doing some stuff, but we've been trying to get over there and haven't been able to get over there. So we've been kind of, like, frustrated. We're like, this is a year of the green light. Well, all these things started, which is green, but sometimes it felt like that it was a year of the yellow light or the red light. I was tired. I remember talking to one of my pastor friends. He's like, how are you guys doing with the building? I'm like, oh, man, we're just still searching. It's, it's hard. It's difficult. And I told him, I, I, I said this word. I said, I'm tired. But guess what? I'm going to keep knocking. It doesn't matter how tired I am. It's what God's put in our heart. So we're going after it. And eventually that door will open. Eventually a door will open and we won't have to knock on that door anymore and we'll move on to another door. But I remember just feeling so exhausted and deflated, being like, man, when, when, Lord? When? And I'm reminded of this verse that says, don't get tired. Don't get tired in the process. Don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get tired. Because at just the right time, you're going to reap a harvest of blessing, God's blessing. And then the key word in this whole verse is right there, if. If you circle one word in that verse, circle that word, if. We will reap harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Stay there. Get in the pocket. Don't give up. I know it's hard. I know you're tired. I know you've prayed it a thousand times. Don't give up. Don't give up. God is faithful. Don't give up, beloved. Don't give up. Keep going after what God put in your heart. Don't give up. You will reap. God is good for his word. God is good for it.
if, if we don't give up, go after it. Go after more. God has more in store for you in 2020. More. We're not talking about money. We're talking about presence. Something way better than money. The world's been trying to buy presents for, since the beginning of time. You don't buy presents. You give of yourself and you get it. You get him. We want more of the Lord. We want more miracles. We want more signs. We want more, more wonders, more encounters with the Lord. So what we're going to do for the next 21 days as a church, and I'm going to invite you to do this. I want to lead you. I want to stretch you here. Is to devote as a seed the next 21 days of this year as a seed to the Lord and say, Lord, I want more of your presence. So I'm willing to consecrate myself concentrate and be committed for the next 21 days to say I'm going to I'm going to go after more. And so what we've done is we've created these little they're not they're not glamorous but these little journals for you guys to take and it's called 21 days of more. If you don't like paper stuff, we have it on the website, we have it in the app under the resource section and we're just saying, you know what, for the next 21 days starting tomorrow for 21 days as a church body, we're going after more of the Lord. So what does that look like? Well, this is going to help you because some of you guys are just starting off with Jesus. Some of you are new in the Lord. Some of you need to be renewed. And so for every day, we're going to ask you to focus on the word of the Lord. So we just just one chapter in the Bible a day. Some of you will do more than that. You guys know what I, my, my stance on reading the Bible is not try to read so much of the Bible. Just concentrate on a little bit. So we're going to concentrate on one chapter a day, the, the book of John, the whole book of John, 21 chapters for 21 days. And so every day we've got it in there. This is day 13, John chapter 13, and it's got a verse in there, kind of a highlight. Pastor Brooke, Pastor Leslie and I worked really hard on this this week. It's got a verse on there for you to focus out throughout the day. You can just pull it out of your purse or pocket if you've got big pockets or fold it up. I'd love it if it was just wore out and you pulled it out in 21 days, like falling apart. That'd be so good. It's got some thoughts on there. And so we're asking you to read the word. It's got some questions on there so you can so you look at the word and say, oh, I don't really understand the Bible. Oh, okay, that question. I can go back and it'll help you kind of as a guide to walk you through the word. And then what we're going to ask is not that you just be in the word, but we're going to ask that you would also focus on the Lord by praying for at least 21 minutes a day. Now, for some of you, that's huge. Some of you don't even pray 20 one minutes a year. We're not hating on you. We're just saying you got to start somewhere. 21 minutes is significant. You say, for 21 minutes, I'm going to pray. Well, I don't know what to pray. Well, we've got some little starters right there for you. Stuff that says, Jesus, make my life a pure reflection of your love. Lord, would I look just like Jesus? Lord, when people come against me, Lord, would I love I remember you, Lord, whenever, whenever they came to kill you, you just gave your life. There he is. You got a prayer going right there. So we got some little prayer starters to help you pray for 21 minutes. That you would set aside 21 minutes a day with the Word of God. This little journal will help you, or we have it in the app. We have it on the website, and it'll help you walk through that. Some of you, this is very elementary. Some of you need to do it because it's elementary. You need to get back to the basics. And this is the other fold of that. You say, "I'm going to concentrate." This is your concentration. But we're also asking for consecration. And again, consecration is stretching yourself. And so what you're going to do for the next 21 days is say, you know what, I'm going to fast. Maybe you'll fast a meal a day. For me, I'm going to fast meats and sweets for 21 days. So don't ask me for a burger because you're going to be tempting me. I'll rebuke you. I'll have a salad or something. I don't know what I'm going to do. I need some walnuts or something. 21 days 
For me, no sweets, no meats, no sweets. Maybe for you, say, you know what, I'll just fast lunch for 21 days. I'll go sit in my car during lunch, and I'll crack open my, my 21 days of more manual and open it up and open the Word and just spend, spend that time with the Lord at lunch. Now, if you don't eat breakfast already, don't fast breakfast. Come on, the point is giving up something in your life. Seem so like, I'm going to. And then the other thing is this, is you give up some sort of media in your life. So for me, like, like I look at Facebook and I get really happy and laugh to go and being depressed in like all of like two seconds, right? So I'm going to give up Facebook for 21 days. I'm not going to be on Facebook. So if you need to get a hold of me, bless you. You can get a hold of me. I'll give you my number. But you you will get, you'll maybe be Facebook. Some of you are Netflixing like three hours a day. You'll give that up for 21 days. Not because the Lord, not, listen, not because you're trying to earn anything with God, but because you want to go deeper. Because you want to go deeper in the Lord. Amen? So this is our encouragement. We have these manuals to you. We actually ran out. We're, we're about to run out. So we ran, ran back there and made some more. And so just take these. Again, we also have digital copies. This will just really help you. And some of you, you say, you know what? Do I have to do it right now? Can I do it in a week? Yes, you can do it any time of the year. This is just a God to help you go a look, get a little bit more of the Lord in your life. Amen.